Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Welcome in, everybody. A Friday edition of Sports Daily. Thanks for letting us be a part of the end of your week as we make our way through another frigid, cold day around the area. But hey, we're getting a little bit closer. At least this one is short-lived. We're trying to make the best of it. Hopefully, we can help you do that today. Hopefully, your commutes have been good. Uh, If you're driving now... Uh, The roads seem to be in much better shape today than they were yesterday, even though it's still like zero degrees outside. Uh, The wind chill's not as bad. That was a rough day. That was brutal out there yesterday, Tommy. Uh, But you survived. I can see on the other end here, so that's good news. Yeah, things were good. Uh, You know, of course, cold, but uh, you bundle up and you take your time and everything turns out okay. So we're ready for one final day of the week, one final show before Christmas. I'm looking forward to getting into it today. Our poor... So my wife, we have both HTO stores now, and she was out at the the new East location from 6.30 in the morning all the way until about 7.30 last night. We had to close because just the, the road conditions and everything else, but that meant she had to like pick up the slack on a bunch of work that had to be done. So she was there all day, had all the kids. Our three-year-old didn't have a nap. His school was canceled. Um, that's punishment. That is That is really surviving the cold, so... Uh, things glad to see things a little back to normal today. Yeah. Uh, hopefully everybody can uh, stop by and tell her hi because she got her butt kicked yesterday. Um, and there's not a lot you can do in those situations except grin and bear it. You know, when you're when kids school or or you know daycare or whatever you want to call it is out, mom and dad got to figure out a way to get it done. So we did that, and we're back here today, and we're happy to be here today with you uh, on KFH. We have. Quite a bit to get through today. What's on tap? We'll uh, review a shocker end of the non-con season and a potentially catastrophic injury. Uh, we'll review KU's end of the non-con season. As expected, Harvard a little peskier maybe than the books anticipated. Uh, we'll look ahead to the conference seasons there. We've got a lot of football to preview this weekend. Our buddy Paul Savage will jump in second hour as we make our way through some picks. And we got to pick the... Uh, we got to pick the Liberty Bowl this week. We won't pick again before the end of the Liberty Bowl, so we'll get that in as well. Um, some storylines to follow. We had Thursday Night Football with an actually interesting matchup again this week. What did we do to deserve it? In uh, a storyline developing for the New York Jets and their quarterback. Um, we also had Trevor Bauer back into baseball. His suspension cut by basically a full season, 
So there's a lot going on in the sports world, Tommy. Um, let's just, in the interest of we've got some time to spend on basketball, I want to talk about Thursday night football just a little bit because it was a it was a, a game among playoff contenders, and there's anytime you have quarterback situations, they're interesting, and this one's really interesting. You had the 2021 number one pick overall versus the 2021 number two pick overall, and one of them looks like he's going to be a really good player, and one of them looks like he may never need to start another NFL game. Zach Wilson and the Jets. What a mess that is, and... You know, I, it's it's interesting because you don't want to pull the cord too early. But at the same time, man, we are not seeing anything, anything out of Zach Wilson that says, you know what, this guy's got a chance to be pretty good. Like nothing. Yeah, I feel bad for the New York Jets. I mean, they are in absolute free fall right now, losing four straight games. And this was a team that not that long ago, all the conversations were that, you know, they were they had the potential to make the playoffs. They had a potential uh, to, to be one of the better teams in the AFC. They beat the Bills. Um, you know, so there was a lot of conversations about uh, that. The Jets were on the come up. And of course, we all know about Brees Hall and, um, you know, the way that he played in his rookie season before going down with that injury and losing him for the entire year. That was kind of the catalyst, I think, that set things off for the Jets to you know have everything just kind of go downhill for them. And then you have what should be your franchise quarterback for years to come in Zach Wilson, not be able to produce at all, not be able to get any kind of offense going whatsoever, then basically take none of the blame and none of the accountability in the issues that were happening. They bench him. They put Mike White in, who shows a little bit of spark, but then he gets injured and Zach Wilson's right back in there and has probably one of the most embarrassing games that we've ever seen from not only a franchise quarterback, but maybe a former number one overall pick uh, in a game last night against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he it was so bad that they pulled him and they put a former practice squad player in his place. Um, I don't see a scenario where Zach Wilson continues to play for the Jets, number one. And I'm sure somebody will try to take a flyer on him and pick him up uh, to maybe see some kind of potential or promise out of him. But I'm not too optimistic that anything is going to come from that. You know, I it's he may get an opportunity because they may not have a whole lot of a choice um, just because Mike White's been hurt. I, Flacco, you know, what's funny and crazy about it is um, <laughs> it, it's it's if they had anybody else, they've shown us this year they're they're good, like they're borderline yeah. really good. And and that's that's what's so crazy about it to me. It's not that he's not playing well, right? Because quarterbacks, young quarterbacks especially, need time to play well. It's that he's playing so poorly that literally anybody else they throw out there gives the Jets a pretty good chance to win. I mean, it's wild how bad he's been when he's on the field. And you know, it, it makes me think, number one, this quarterback class is really interesting because Zach Wilson doesn't look very good. Trey Lance is now hurt, but he didn't look amazing to me when he was in there. Uh, and then you go down to Justin Fields, who is starting to look really dynamic, and Mac Jones, who's been fine. But it's an interesting class where a ton of guys were taken. Nobody really knew outside of Trevor Lawrence how to 
how to sort them out. And we saw that play out in the draft. Not a lot of people knew what to expect with it. Um, it was one of the few times in the NFL draft where it really was like an unknown and a wild card of what might happen. But Trevor Lawrence looks the part, and I'm glad to see that because I like Trevor Lawrence, and I like to see good young quarterbacks play well, and the Jags are a cool story, and you know that's that's all very interesting. But with young quarterbacks, generally speaking, and and Justin Fields will go against this, and he's one of the very, very, very few that ever do this. Usually, when we get close to or a season's body of work with a young quarterback— we can kind of make the call, right? Like very rarely do we go through it and then this guy get so much better after X amount of time. And so it's it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where Zach Wilson all of a sudden becomes a good NFL quarterback. And if I'm the Jets now and Sala, you know, Sala next year probably will begin, his seat will probably begin to warm up. But if I'm the Jets, like, I don't have the time to wait around for Zach Wilson. Like, you got to go with anything else. And they got to get Mike White back on the field. But even after that, I would do everything I could to get a serviceable quarterback in there because they're, they've got a really good roster. And if you've got Brees Hall coming back and you've got those good young receivers, you can get a little bit better on the line. The defense is already good. Like, that's a team that's ready to go to the playoffs and make some noise. And they don't have to have, like, quarterback doesn't have to be their end-all, be-all. I mean, they could be a, they could be like the Niners, right? Just let the quarterback manage things and let all the other talent on your roster shine through. But why, why even mess around with Zach Wilson anymore? Like, just, if I'm the Jets, like, you got to suck it up. It was a bad pick. Oh, well. It's time to win for them because they look like a good team outside of that position. For all of those reasons, I'm not sure that it would be warranted for Robert Sala to be on the hot seat next season because well, you know, I don't think this it would year, be either. Well, I mean, you know, this year they obviously were decimated by that injury to, to to Brees Hall. They've got a good defense, and then their quarterback has let them down. I don't think this is necessarily a Robert Sala problem, and I don't know if next season it would be a Robert Sala problem either. Um, you know, you return Brees Hall, you return a lot of those weapons, and then you figure out your quarterback situation. I do think that they're a potential playoff team. Um, I, I see more promise in the New York Jets than I've seen in a long time. Um, but it's not with Zach Wilson at quarterback. It's just not. And so th there's not a chance that Robert Sala, um, who probably recognizes that his fate is tied a little bit to the success or failure of Zach Wilson if he's on the roster, he's not going to stick with him. So why would you want to ride that pony? Cut him, get him out of town, move on, try to find something else. Uh, I think that's exactly the path that they're going to end up taking. Um, it's going to be interesting for me to see what they do the next couple of weeks. They're not making the playoffs. They're not officially eliminated from playoff contention, but four losses in a row, uh, they basically eliminated their chances of getting into the playoffs. It, they would take a miracle for them to get in at this point. Um, so I wonder if they'll shut down Zach Wilson. I know Mike White has not been cleared yet to play, but if I'm Robert Sala the next couple of weeks, I guess I'm going to throw Joe Flacco out there. If Mike White is not cleared, there's not a I chance would. in hell that I want to see Zach Wilson out there starting another game this season for the Jets. Absolutely not. Um, I would do anything I could to do anything to evaluate the position. I don't know what their options are going to be in the offseason. Um, but they've got to do something. Um, 
and I would, I mean, if I'm them, I'd do anything. Even, like, the thing is with them, like, what if, I don't know, think about some of the backups we've seen this year. Like, what if Colt McCoy was their quarterback? They'd probably be a playoff yep. team. Like, it, even even a good backup quarterback right now playing across the league could Jimmy would Garoppolo probably, potentially go? Well, to the yeah, New York absolutely. Jets. But I think the I think the Niners have to be careful because they don't really. They I don't know that they should be getting away from Garoppolo if he's healthy. We'll see what but Brock, if Brock Purdy, Purdy does. But played his way into a starting role. I don't know. He could have. I I honestly I I wouldn't I wouldn't over overstate that yes i think there's a chance that he does because i'm not sure how much i believe in trey lance um but yes that i mean either like that's the thing like i i really do think that the jets look at how much better they moved the ball when they i don't even remember his name who's that random backup they put in uh last night that came from like the cfl strevler strevler yeah in, in like three drives, he outproduced what Zach Wilson had done the entire game. Yeah. So the, I, there's no chance I go back to Zach Wilson at this point. And and if literally anybody is going to be better than him, then then do something else. Because I do think that they could be a legitimate contender in the eight. I say legitimate. They're not going to beat out the Bills or the Chiefs or the Bengals. But they could absolutely be right there in the AFC if they could get anything out of quarterback. They are that talented in other places. And they have had an, an insane amount of injuries this year on the offensive line and all over the place. But, man, if they get healthy, you you have got to – and that's and that brings it back to the original point. Like, how quickly, if you're an NFL team, should you be willing to cut bait on a young quarterback? And it seems silly this – far in to do that but I'm just trying to think back like historically how often do we see more out of a guy like a whole lot more than what we see out of about their first full season now that doesn't mean guys can improve of course they can look at Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and some of these guys I they totally can Trevor Lawrence right but we could see flashes with those guys and and Trevor Lawrence, as he struggled, did not struggle the way Zach Wilson is struggling, right? Throwing too many interceptions when you're too aggressive as a young player is not the same thing as what we're seeing out of Zach Wilson. Peyton Manning, I think, led the league in interceptions his rookie year, but we all knew he was going to be great right away. Zach Wilson looks totally lost. He doesn't look like he can play at this level. And so if you're – especially if you're a good team, like – how long do you sit there and roll that out there? And and you feel bad for the Jets because they did this with Sam Darnold, and it was a miss. Now they're doing it with Zach Wilson. Like, they've done it over and over and over again. And you only have to think back to the last time they were really good with Chad Pennington to realize you don't have to have an amazing quarterback to win a bunch of games in this league. Just find somebody that can manage the offense. Yeah, all you have to do is get it right once. Right. That's well, all you sure, and that's easier it right said one than time. done. Right, and I'm I'm overly simplifying it, but the Jets have not gotten it right one time in a long time in at a the long quarterback time. position. I mean, think about I, I think you know you're mentioning teams moving away from a high draft pick after one year or two years, and and you know really not working out. I think of like the Arizona Cardinals and what happened with Josh Rosen. Sure. Uh, they drafted him high. He played one year. And they said, nope, we're moving on from him, and we're drafting Kyler Murray. Now, I think the jury is still out on what the Cardinals are going to be able to do you know, long-term with Kyler Murray. They did sign him to a long contract, but uh, it's happened before. This is nothing new in the NFL when you give up a, a high amount of draft capital 
to bring in somebody that you think is going to be the franchise quarterback. It's kind of a crapshoot. You don't always know for sure if they're going to be able to carry you long term. And, you know, we we look back at, you know, the Chiefs drafting Patrick Mahomes. And I think that gives you a an opportunity to be eternally grateful uh, for Kansas City catching lightning in a bottle like they did in drafting a unicorn like Patrick Mahomes because a lot of times with a lot of teams like the New York Jets and, and Zach Wilson, it just doesn't work out. It's um, it, it's time. It's time, Jets. You got to just go. You got to just rip the Band-Aid off and go because I can guarantee you that fan base cares far less about the draft capital spent there than winning games. Nobody will care and remember, oh my gosh, do you remember how we missed on that pick? Because everything else they're doing seems to be good, right? Like, yeah, yeah. they're missing on quarterbacks, but they're, they've got the rest great of that receivers. team is so talented. Yeah, they've got great receivers. They've got a great running back and Brees Hall when he comes back from that injury. They've got a really good defense. I mean, they've got pieces to be able yeah. to compete and contend. And I'm with you. I don't think that you need to really worry about going out and trying to find a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. Just find somebody that can move the ball. That's all you need. It, it's, it's yes, it, it is, especially for them. Now, that doesn't mean you give up the search for your long-term quarterback either. Uh, you know, the Chiefs had a good quarterback, and they had an opportunity to go get somebody they liked. It worked out for them. San Francisco had the same situation, and I'm not sure it worked out for them, right, to go get Trey Lance. I think Jimmy G is better, um, at least right now. And we'll see. Again, it's way too early on Trey Lance. He has not had the game totals to to you know to do that. There there will be other interesting things too with the Jets. Like, can they get anybody to come play for them? Like, I, it makes you wonder, you know, as older guys are nearing the end. Like, I don't. I don't if Tom Brady plays again I'll be surprised if it's in Tampa Bay, right? Like I don't think that's going to happen, but there are other spots where you look at it and think maybe or just go pay a little bit up to get a good backup, right? Like Teddy Bridgewater with the Jets would probably be really good or Colt McCoy or some of these backups who who have a ton of experience that know how to get in and manage games because if Brees Hall comes back for them and is the focal point of their offense and they get healthy, they don't need their quarterback to do it. Just literally get the ball to these amazing playmakers that you have and let them do all the work. That's what Kirk Cousins does in Minnesota. It's what Jimmy Garoppolo has done forever in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, it is it is what it is. But it's fascinating to me to see that dynamic because it almost seems like they're so afraid to cut bait on the number two pick overall. Yet the fans are telling you what they think of that. Like, get Mike White in there. You've done a tremendous job drafting everywhere else. Sauce Gardner is a superstar. Right? So who cares? Just get away from him. He should not have been in that game past the first quarter. Like, he cannot play. Stop putting him out there. I, I hate it because I think the Jets are a cool fan base and they're really, really into it. And I hate when fan bases that are really good and they're all good in the NFL. I just don't like teams to suck forever because I feel bad for those fans. Fans don't deserve that in any place. When was the last time the New York Jets had a long time? franchise quarterback joe namath probably well, I, I mean somebody I that pennington, was there i think pennington flirted with that label he was really good for a long time he won a lot of games there chad pennington was pretty dang good but i'm talking about somebody that's an icon you know somebody right. that you one of the best quarterbacks your in the franchise around yeah, right probably. it's joe it's joe namath right yeah we're talking 50 years ago uh the last time that the, they don't need that they don't you don't need to go out and try to find 
your next Joe Namath. That's not the way that the yeah, Jets go need find to your operate. next Chad. Pennington. Go find your next Chad Pennington, and it's going to work for you. Yeah, we'll see. It was an interesting Thursday night football game just because you had two, I think, really interesting storylines. One with the Jaguars and their resurgence, and that's so good to see after the Urban Meyer mess. Uh, and then the Jets on the other end of it, where you just feel like, man, they're good. And I think everybody's on board with their head coach. Who doesn't like Robert Sala? Like, everything's – it's just like, ah, stop running out the quarterback that you know is going to lose you this game. Like, he has no chance to win this game. Why are you doing this? <clears throat> 869-1240. Let's come back. Let's talk a little college hoops. Tough injury news potentially for Wichita State. We'll go through that. KU gets a win to wrap up the non-com. We'll talk a little Jayhawks, a little Shockers as we continue on. Hour number one of Sports Daily. H. Okay, take it easy. We're going on the air. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Friday edition wrapping up the week. KU wins by 14 over Harvard. Wichita State wins by nine over Texas Southern. I'm going to start with the Shockers because the most important thing that happened last night came out of that game, Tommy, and for all the wrong reasons, if you're a Wichita State fan, uh, Craig Porter Jr. landed awkwardly. Um, His left foot slash ankle was very clearly on camera, rolled or whatever you want to call it, And he couldn't put any weight on it, left the game, didn't return. Craig Porter Jr. is, like, in the top two of basically every key statistical category for the Shockers. He is the straw that stirs the drink, and just the timing sucks on this. After the game, Isaac Brown um, seemed hopeful that this wasn't a long-term thing, that maybe with a little bit of a break here they could get things— you know, under control and that there's some swelling that he, he had not seen x-rays and that'll be the key. They don't play again until Wednesday. Um, and then there's some, I, I would be surprised if he plays at UCF. They play back home on December 31st on New Year's Eve against East Carolina. I don't know, Tommy. It, it's, it really stinks because we like Craig Porter Jr. Uh, he's been on this show. He's, he's stuck around. He's taken this leadership role on full force and man it's going to be really really tough if they lose him for any amount of time here yeah this is bad um and regardless if we're talking about a couple of games or 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 longer um not ideal for the shockers uh this is basically getting the legs cut from out uh, out from underneath you um when craig porter jr has been the floor general the leader the guy that um is your most consistent and most reliable offensive option on a team that struggles offensively even when he's on the court. Uh, yeah, this is not ideal at all for Wichita State. Hopefully, it's on the shorter end. I can't imagine he plays on Wednesday. I would be shocked. And then I would be surprised if he plays on New Year's Eve. So um, hopefully we're only talking about a couple of games here, and this doesn't extend uh, into a, a long absence from Craig Porter Jr. But uh, yeah, I, I it's one of those things where 
you're like, okay, well, yeah, the Shockers were able to beat Texas Southern and, you know, in the non-con at seven and five, and you, you start to feel a little bit okay about them. And then this sort of thing happens and uh, really takes the wind out of your sails. Yeah. And look, injuries happen. You know, it's, it's not like they're just going to roll over somebody else could step up that, you know, that we're not thinking about, you know, you immediately think, well, Melvion Flanagan could take advantage. He, he did not do that last night. The other really stepped up was Jaron Pierre, who scored uh, 18 points to lead the Shockers. James Rojas had one of his better games, but Pierre's interesting. We've seen flashes from him. Uh, they did not shoot the three well last night, Tommy, but they kind of stopped shooting it this time, right? They only took 14 shots. They were 0 for 7 in the first half and 2 from 7 in the second half. I mean, they can't not shoot threes, right? But they, they did peel back on that and attack a different way, and, and that was good to see as things we've wanted to see and, and needed to see. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting because I think Pierre has the ability offensively to take over a game. We've seen that. Uh, we've seen Jaquan Walton do that at times. He didn't have a great shooting performance last night, but he pulled down 10 boards. Uh, you know, we'll see. Gus Okafor early in the year had that ability, but that's sort of faded. So I don't know, but there's going to be a lot of opportunities for somebody to step up the problem is it's a, it's a point guard too, Tommy. Like, and we don't really yeah. have a clear answer as to who that backup would be, right? Is it Shamas Scott? Is it Melvin Flanagan? Is it Xavier Bell? Perhaps is it like where do those minutes come from? Because while you know Porter wasn't scoring twenty points a night, he was doing everything else and he was on the court consistently and and just sort of running the team. That's that's why it's so troubling because you just don't we don't know we don't have a clue what the answer if he misses extended time will be. I mean, it's just a total unknown that again, that doesn't mean somebody can't step up. They totally can't. Craig Porter stepped up last year at a bigger opportunity, but you know, it's, it sure doesn't feel good going into the conference season that way. Yeah. It's going to have to be a combination of all of those guys that you mentioned. And I wouldn't be shocked if Isaac Brown rides the hot hand. And that's assuming that one of them will have a hot hand from game to game, uh, you know, again, as we've said before, hopefully this does not carry on for an extended period of time. But if it does, uh, this is going to be something where Isaac Brown is going to have to go from and it might not even be game to game, Jacob. It might be half to half. It might be, you know, stretch of game to stretch of game a few minutes at a time. Which one of you know these guys can step in and fill in for Craig Porter Jr. at any given time to the best of their ability? Um one of my biggest points of contention on this show that I've mentioned multiple different times is the Shockers' inability to adjust. I was encouraged that they did adjust when the three wasn't falling. They didn't shoot it quite as much as we've seen them do. I mean, they were, what, one of 21 last weekend against Oklahoma State? Uh, it was awful. They weren't much better last night. They were 2 of 14, but at least they didn't take as many of those shots. At least they tried to find offense in other ways. So I was slightly encouraged by that, um, and hopefully that continues. I'm not opposed to them shooting the three. That's the way the team is built. They want to try to get that three ball, and that's fine as long as it's falling at a relatively decent clip. And if it's not, you've got to go away from it, and you've got to try something different. And I feel like Wichita State, adjusted slightly better than we've seen them do in games past to move away from that. And so I would like to see that continue. Yeah, they did. I Look, I don't want to take anything away from the win because we were a little bit concerned about Texas Southern, right, and what we'd seen from them all year. 
and they played good defense. They locked them down. They did the things that they need to do to win games. Uh, 14 turnovers, too high. But you had you know guys basically for an entire half being asked to do things with Craig Porter out. So, yeah, a little too many turnovers, but, you know, they they rebounded the ball well, and they they played good defense and held Texas Southern down, shooting the ball. Those are going to be the things that lead Wichita State to wins this year. If they shoot well in any individual game, that's how they're going to beat, you know, really good teams, maybe when they shouldn't. But just their baseline, they hit that for sure last night, which is to play really good defense and, and you know, rebound. They're going to have to do that. And they did it last night, so good for them. And and we'll get into conference play. And again, no excuses, right? They're not nobody's going to sit back and evaluate this season. And be like, yeah, but you remember back in late December, Craig Porter Jr. got hurt. And again, we don't know how long Craig Porter Jr. could potentially be out. It just didn't look good to our eyes last night. It didn't look good that he could put no weight on it. It didn't look good when you saw the way it landed. All of those things, and we'll just have to see on a medical evaluation. Uh, what moves forward out of that. We'll, we'll probably know a little bit the next time Isaac Brown's available, which should come in the next few days, probably ahead of that UCF game, maybe early next week. Um, so the Shockers get it done, though, and and handle their business. And now we look ahead to the conference season. So, Tommy, and we'll talk about the Jayhawks in the next segment, Jayhawk fans, 869-1240. If we've now seen a full body of work in the non-conference has anything changed in our thoughts of where the Shockers need to finish this year in the American? Uh, we, we, you know, the weather certainly potentially played a factor in it, but the crowd was not good again last night. Uh, people, the momentum and the buzz around Wichita State basketball is not high. That's not an opinion. We can see it. Uh, attendance hasn't been fantastic. That's unfortunate, but it is reality and it does matter. So as we look at a conference season now where, you know, if you just go by non-con records, which is a silly thing to do because everybody plays different schedules, but if you just looked at that, Wichita State has the seventh best non-con record and they were picked seventh in the league, um, what what should we expect here? And, and what would be an acceptable finish to feel good, do you think, as their placement in the American? I don't think it's reasonable to expect them, obviously, ahead of Houston or Memphis. And then you get down into UCF and Cincinnati, who have looked pretty good. So is it, what, fifth? Like, should we should we look at fifth probably as a ceiling? And it could be higher. We don't know. But, I, I mean, I don't know at this point what gets people excited right now. There is nothing, no indications whatsoever right now as it stands that would make me think that Wichita State will finish any better than what they were projected at the beginning of the season. Nothing in the non-conference, none of the games that have happened. I mean, you know, they're 7-5 and five right now. Nothing, nothing tells me that this is a team that will finish in the top half of the American Conference. Maybe they will. So if we're talking about where I think they're going to finish after seeing the non-conference, probably right where they were projected. I think that was a pretty solid projection from what we've seen in the non-con. That's disappointing because I wanted to see them in the non-con prove everybody wrong and kind of do what Kansas State has done a little bit, right? Like they were projected really badly in the Big 12, and then all they've done is go on a run in the non-con and um, you know, got people to pay attention to them. Wichita State has not really done that as much, uh, nearly at all. 
And so there's nothing that tells me that they'll they'll finish any any better than what they were projected at the, at the beginning of the season. As far as what would be acceptable, yeah, I think in the top half of the American, if they can figure it out and they can find consistent offensive options um, and, and continue to play the defense that we know they can play, then yeah, I think finishing in the top half of the of the American, that would be acceptable. That would be better than where they were projected. I'd be okay with that. I think that, and that I think that's a fair expectation and a fair ceiling to give this team. Yeah, I, I, I don't. But I don't. My my question is more about like, what if they what if they do exceed that expectation? What if they finish fifth? Right. Yeah. Is is that going to be something that gets the fan base excited? Sure. Uh, no, not at all. I, no, that, I don't think that's it will. what I worry about. That's the, and I think that's the. But I don't think the, I don't think third would get the fan base excited. Uh, third behind Houston and Memphis mm-hmm. might because that means you're beating some good teams and 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 I don't know. I, I think I think there is a, a little bit of a difference there, but I just don't know what. Have you met the Wichita State fan base? Well, I have, and they they were finishing third in the league for a lot of years and selling out that arena. Like you know that they, they didn't win the American Tommy until Isaac Brown got there, and they were selling out that arena, right? They I've I've watched them struggle through Valley games they shouldn't struggle through, and people were right there anyway. There, but but I'm not, and I'm not saying they should be excited. That's not what I'm saying. I, I know that for three or four or even five years, it was the hottest ticket in town. Right. And it's not that right now. And that's got to be and and, and it, it what's really hard to evaluate. And I don't know how much COVID had to do with this either. When they won the league and had that magical year, nobody could go to the games. Right. When they when they did finally win the American under odd circumstances. Yes, but it was something that hadn't been done that nobody could go. And so it's like this series of events and and you know outside of winning a bunch of games in the conference to get people excited I'm not sure what will get them excited I think you know the style of basketball is a little bit more difficult because they have struggled shooting the ball and it seems like they're laboring through some of these games there's a lot of college basketball teams that play that way that play great defense and slow you down I mean Virginia was a one seed for how many years just playing lockdown defense those Virginia teams weren't good offensively at all and and it's a path to winning college basketball games. There've been a lot of there were a lot of teams in the Greg Marshall era that struggled to score, but they locked you down defensively. So I don't know if it's that in totality because that style of basketball has been a Wichita State staple since I've been here. Outside of one year that I can remember, the Austin Reeves, Landry Shamit, Connor Frank camp year where they'd score like 85 a game but didn't play great defense. Other than that year, I don't ever remember a year where Shocker basketball didn't look like you know, great defense, lower scoring, slower pace, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know what it is, but I know this injury sucks, and I really hope they can gain some momentum through the conference, but, man, they're going to have to step up in a big, big way. I think it's pretty apparent and evident to me there is not a silver bullet here. Uh, and, And so if we're talking about engaging the fan base, we're talking about getting a better crowd out to Coke Arena, especially in conference play, there's not one singular thing that will make yeah. that happen. Uh, I th- no, I don't because think I there think is this year. It's either. not just winning because, like, right. I think that they can win some of these games and people still right. probably are not going to show up. Some of it stylistically. I mean, there's just a lot of factors quality, that go into it. Quality of opponent may help some, that are right? too lofty. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of different factors in place uh, that I think that, w- that go into this. 
Uh, it's not a singular thing. There's not a silver bullet. It's going to take time. Quality opponent will probably help. Maybe a high-profile recruit in the offseason would do something. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it is I what it is. I think some Shocker headed... fans would tell you, I think some Shocker fans would tell you a new coach would oh, probably sure would. change sure that quite would. a bit, too. But, but I don't, it, that's, that's a, that's a, um, you got to be able, you got to be able to get that right, though. Like, be careful what you wish for, because it took a long time for Shocker basketball to turn around, even in the early years of the Greg Marshall era. It's not as easy as just doing that. Like, you, you there are a lot more factors at play. Uh, we've talked about NIL and all of these things ad nauseum. Like, there are a bunch of different things that have to come together all at the right time. What Wichita State was doing was unique. To have at the time a mid-major consistently that good was unique. That wasn't like... And they had two NBA guys, three NBA guys, on those rosters for five years, right? So, they... Three NBA guys helped lead the way through that, and one of the best, in my opinion, in-game coaches in Marshall, and and you know, and what he did in a game uh, to to you know take away another team's strength, whatever you want to call it. But it you know, it's not as simple as that. You've got to get a bunch of things right. We'll talk Jayhawks. They've got a bunch of things going right right now for sure. Defending national champs, eleven and one through the non-com. We'll talk KU basketball as Sports Daily rolls on on a Friday. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. Oh, man, we're getting closer and closer to the big day. My kids are counting down the minutes, Tommy. Is your son, I know he's not quite two yet. Does he he have some understanding of what's coming? He does. He loves Santa. He recognizes Santa. He walks around the house saying ho, ho, ho. Um, So he's all about it. It, it, It's a lot of fun. 
Mine, <clears throat> all, well, my oldest, we had the crying, screaming Santa pictures, I think, for three years. Uh, the middle one has always been more in tune with the concept of it at a young age. And then our son now, who is three and a half, his basic premise right now for Christmas is don't end up on that naughty list. Like, he's got a very <laughs> good understanding of the naughty list. Um, he is in the, you know, the three-nager kind of, like, testy uh, throw fits age anyway. But he does have a decent idea of what will, you know, of the naughty list and the nice list and doing everything he can to not get on that naughty list or if he does to, you know, to suck up and try and get back on the nice list. And he's, he's very aware of the threats that you make when the behavior is a little questionable. Yeah. Um, we have pictures like he he's not he likes the idea of Santa, but. When he gets up close and personal, he's he's not he's not into just jumping up on somebody's lap, and so like the first visit we had with Santa this year was like, no, let's like let's keep our distance. Like I can see him, he can see me. We're good. I'll yell across the room <laughs> what enough. I want. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, the second time was at school, and we got the picture back from them, and it's this great picture, and he's not screaming, he's not crying. He was there, but there is as much distance in his upper body. You know how you like lean away from something a little bit. You're like, oh, good. Like there, like his butt might be on the lap, but there is as much distance between his upper body and Santa Claus as there possibly could be. And he's got this cringe, like smile thing. Like, all right, I'm here. You better not put me on that naughty list. But man, I don't want to be here right now. Uh, so he's been really funny, but boy, he is locked in to presents and like the, the idea of Christmas. And he's been bugging us about how many days, how many days now, how many times do I have to go to sleep? Uh, we watched the Grinch that there's like a newer cartoon Grinch, which was really good. I, we hadn't seen that. And he was, he was pretty dialed into that movie. And I kept just asking him questions and his point of fascination was that he was certain that the Grinch was going to end up on that naughty list. Like, this guy's screwed, man. Yeah. He's, he is going to yeah. end up on the naughty list, and he is not getting presents. Uh, it's really funny to watch all of their different emotions because we're three, yeah. di- three kids, three totally different approaches to Christmas at that young age. So we've learned this year. So our son is a year and a half. And so last Christmas, he was only like five months old, six months old. So he had no idea what was going on. But we've learned this year that our son has zero stranger danger whatsoever. He yeah. loves Santa, sitting on Santa's lap, loving it, smiling, laughing. And then my wife took him to Chicken and Pickle a couple of weekends ago, and they did a brunch with the Grinch. So the Grinch, and you know, the Grinch, I think, is a little bit scarier yeah. than Santa sure. is, right? No fear. Went right up to the Grinch, sat on his lap, laughed, you know, loved it. And we're like, okay, kid, like, it's okay to have a little, a tiny bit of a healthy fear of other people. Like, I, I feel like it could be any, he'd just walk up to anybody and just sit on their lap and, and we're like, okay, we got to watch him because he's going to end up getting like snatched one day because he just wants to be friends with everybody. Yeah, my son could not be more of the opposite. All three of my kids have a little bit of stranger danger, but my son t- takes it to the next level. So at one time, I think it was at Chicken and Pickle, um, 
he was playing with something and, and, you know, kind of a chicken. One of the things we like about that, you kind of can let your kids run around a little bit. Yeah. And he was running around playing with some other kids and there's some other like parents at a table with their kids having some fun. And like he was, I think my son had like a dinosaur and he was roaring and, and another dad kind of looked at him and kind of roared back at him. And my son's instant reaction was to punch him. And I was like, Oh God, no, 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 no. We can't do that. On one hand, I'm like, that's a pretty good defense mechanism if you need sure. it, right? Like, okay, yeah. you're not going to back down. Like, you're going to growl at me. I'll punch you. And But right. then at the on the other hand, we're like, you can't just go around punching people. Like, that's not okay. Another time, and this, is, this was before we were at the pool, and it was face painting. They were face painting at the pool. And he was, you know, running around doing his thing. And a dad, like we do, right? Dads do this. We mess with kids. That's kind of our thing. Uh, whether they're our own or somebody else's, whoever's in earshot, we're going to probably mess with them a little bit. This dad had a dinosaur paint on his face. I think it was a dinosaur monster or something. And he, like, roared at Braylon. Except mm. in that one, it was – he was standing, my son was standing, and again, the instant reaction was just to punch as hard as he could, except, you know, line of sight for a three-year-old. We've talked about this. Yeah. It was a square, straight shot. And again, we're kind of across the way. I'm like, oh, my God, he just punched that dude in the nuts. Like, <laughs> like we, got, we got to get over there and get him out of there. So I don't know. I, he definitely has stranger danger, and he has, like, a an approach yeah. that I'm I'm sort of okay with, right? Like, yeah. I know he's just three, but he's he's ready to defend himself where his sister's, like, he's he has tried to fight a five-year-old for holding his sister's hand. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Like, that's probably all right. If your son could teach my son a little bit of stranger danger, that would be appreciated. So maybe we can get them together and. Well, I'm gonna your need your son to let my mind know it's it's okay if we're telling you it's okay. Like let's not yeah. just you know freak out at every moment here. But people are growling at you. Like I, okay, I get it. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's, it gets it from his mom, I guess. Eight six nine twelve forty is the number to call. We'll come back. Ku basketball talk. We'll also make our football picks for the weekend. We'll do it all on Sports Daily on a Friday edition. Merry Christmas, almost. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.